This is the Black Nerd Talks podcast. This is your main host, Eb. I'd like to tell you a little bit about me before we start. I'm a social worker and men's rights advocate with an extensive history in competitive esports such as Guilty Gear, Gundam vs. and Street Fighter. I hope that today's episode will provide you with some nerd self-help through deep conversational interviews and open discussions where you hear the stories and perspectives of our fellow nerds. Join us as we uncover the themes and messages found in the mediums of anime, video games, and as well as comic books and how we can apply the life lessons found in them to deal with our everyday struggles. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Discord all under the same name and logo of Black Nerd Talks. Follow us to let us know what you think of the latest episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. Following us will also allow you to keep up with when we drop the latest and newest episodes. We also have an Etsy shop where if you search Black Nerd Talks, you can find our Black Nerd Talks t-shirts and crewnecks if you'd like to support the podcast. <laughs> One right? show I actually liked. Right? So, yes, our next episode is Ev, the co-host, once again, with... Jordan, I'm back. Sir. Good to be back. Yes, sir. And so we are talking about to your eternity, to your change as a person, because one of the main themes about to your eternity is change. Like there's so many both implicit and explicit references to change inside the series. What are your thoughts? Well, what made you enjoy the show so much? What are your thoughts on it in the first place? So your first statement, so I'm going to agree with that. So I think that personally, I think that the show to your eternity is I think it's more about the human emotion. I think the end goal, you're right, is about change because it's about how those emotion changes us. Mm. One of the reasons why I was able to really enjoy the show is because it sort of it sort of paints this picture how life really is. So you have the good side of life and then you also have the bad side of life. And then you're taken through such experience by, by the MC what was his name fushi fushi Fushi. short for uh, immortal so it was like immorty if you will and another thing that's beautiful about the show is that is that the amount of emotion that's in the show it's very fascinating and it does it very interestingly and we're gonna get we're gonna get we're gonna get into it i'm gonna talk more about it as we go Awesome. Yeah, so I found the whole series is, is about how to word the concept of change. is actually a really cool YouTube video. It, it's called The Big Talk by, I can't remember, I cannot, Ryan, I think his name is Ryan something. It's Ryan Hirsch or something like that. And basically, one of the things in his video, I'll send it to you after, he's talking about we're constantly changing and with change comes death. Because it's not literally like you dying as a person, but an aspect of you is dead. There's a there's a story of you that's no longer there anymore. And so in many ways, as you change, there's a death of your previous self. Your story is now changing. And the reason why we sometimes sabotage ourselves is because we're not accepting of the death of, the, of that previous form of what we were. So example, there's I'm sure you've seen this before. I know you're 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 a bit younger than me. But I know you, I'm sure you've heard those stories of people winning the lottery, but and then they blow it, they blow all the money in like a week. Yeah. We often attribute that to just purely quote unquote, they're not good at, at, at financially managing themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But it's more than just that. Let's say I win a million dollars, right? Let's just say my, my income is 20K a year. So for me, my story is I only make 20,000. But what happens when I have a million dollars? 
I'm no longer Ab who has $20,000 a year. I'm a millionaire. Yeah. But that requires me to accept the death of the Ab that was earning 20K. So what do I do? I do things so I can go back to being 20K. Because that's the, that's the norm I've accepted for myself. That is the, the, the story that I'm willing to accept about myself. And so once something goes outside of that, we struggle with that. Which is why I can understand why so many of us is in, in, in the world, we struggle with changes because it's not just stepping outside our comfort zone, so to speak. It's also about accepting accepting death in certain ways. And death is like the scariest thing to humans right after public speaking, which is why I really love, for instance, for Fushi, all his, I guess you could say, forms that he took was all the characters at the cusp of death when they were dying. Yeah, because that represents because when you when you think about it, like death is also change, right? Your the story, your the story of which you are in terms of this material world is gone and it's going to become something else. And then you already see like the character, some of the characters are you already got to see for spoilers for those who somehow didn't see it. But you see like Google in the afterlife, you see March in the afterlife. I, forget, I think they showed someone else in the afterlife in season one. I can't remember who, but they've changed. There's, there's someone, they, they, their story is now changed. They're no longer what they once were in the material world. And so Fushi's form of them embodies that. Okay. I'm going to say, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to respectfully di- disagree with you. Okay, go on. <laughs> so I'm going to say, I don't think it's about change. I don't think change itself is about death. Mm-hmm. Now, it depends exactly what type of change you're talking about. So you see how you spoke about um, the lottery, exactly the lottery, and then you sort of also spoke about what happens, what happens after you die. Mm-hmm. So those are definitely two different type of changes, right? But I, I think that the change we're talking about here for for this show is definitely the one in terms of like self improvement. So I think that change is self improvement. You do not necessarily kill who you were. I truly believe that, but along the way, but along the way. Mm-hmm. You improve and then you become who you are. So for me, it's something like something that comes to mind are traumatic experiences, right? Mm-hmm. These experiences, of course, do not define who you are, mm-hmm. nor do nor do they necessarily get rid of them. Right? You don't necessarily get rid of them. But with enough self-improvement mm-hmm. and professional help, mm-hmm. you learn to cope and live, I guess, with your demons or, or mm-hmm. with your trauma, right? So that's the way that's the way I view it. So right. it's, it's something that so whenever someone say that they healed mm-hmm. from it, mm-hmm. that's an interesting perspective, the, the, the way they see it, right? Mm-hmm. But necessarily I wouldn't say they healed from it. I just I just say they they found ways to cope with it. Yeah, okay. That's the way I view things. However, this has a very interesting aspect. So let's let's go down i'll try to let's break it down to different parts and processing what you're saying i like okay. what you said okay when you're trying to do self-improvement let's say you want to lose weight okay there's a you that is 300 pounds let's just say okay. 300 pounds but you want to get down to weight of 220. okay but remember what i said now mm-hmm. it depends on the type of change we're speaking about so now we're speaking about physical change here right mm-hmm. that's an aspect go okay. on Okay, so we're speaking about physical change. Yeah. I guess, okay, let me be more specific with my language here. So when I'm talking about change, I'm talking about the emotional aspects of it. So okay, so what just, is the emotional just, aspect of it? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I just want to clarify that. So emotional mm-hmm. aspect is where, for example, 
the foundation that the foundation and that persona who you were as a kid that's sort mm -hmm. of like manifest from that that's what i'm talking about so it's like we as a kid is like as a kid you have certain characteristics certain mm -hmm. ideology you have certain belief system right as a kid of course mm -hmm. you can outgrow from that mm -hmm. but who you are as a kid sometimes you'll still be able to see yourself mm -hmm. as a mm -hmm. kid even yeah. when you're exactly even when you're 80 years old mm -hmm. i'm not saying you're exactly like who you were as a kid right there's still part of you that hasn't okay. changed since you were a kid okay so okay. that's what i mean about the emotional i'm, I'm really talking okay. about the emotional okay yeah, the emotional aspect here but i see what you're me i see what you mean about the physical the physicality part okay and i, I think i, I also yeah. understand your perspective i think when i speak of change and the death of the self i think you mean i'm referring to you become an entirely different being did okay. i get that correct Am I following along in terms of your line of thinking when I say that, like, what, what were the two examples I used? I talked about actual the physical death of oneself along yeah. with some form of change, like a lottery. Did I get that correct? And how you saw them as two different things. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. there are two different things, yeah. Okay. So when I say de death of oneself, it's not entirely just in, in, in terms of change. I'm not necessarily referring to everything is gone. Okay. Because even, like, for instance, like Panora, right? She's still Panor. She still didn't want, sorry, not Panor. When, when March died physically, mm -hmm. she's still March. She still didn't want Panor to die. But the thing is she's now in the afterlife. There's some form of that still remains the same, Yep. but it's also aspects that also undergo change. Yeah. Now to kind of, sorry, you want to say? No, I was just going to say what, one of the most beautiful thing about change is that it doesn't fundamentally change the foundation of who you are. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What it does is that the part that the part that wasn't healthy, or mm -hmm. yeah, ex the the part that wasn't could also healthy. be bad too. Well, yeah, it can, it can. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the the part that wasn't, I guess you can say, good. Mm -hmm. It's sort of it's it sort of it sort of like revamped that into something that's much more healthier for. It's something that's much more healthier. So what do I mean by this? So let's take, for example, a traumatic experience. Yeah. So although you know who you are, but you have this traumatic experience that's sort of interfering with who you, who you can be. So now you have to find a way to sort of cope, mm -hmm. cope with this traumatic experience so that you can mm -hmm. go on living and become mm -hmm. a better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. But the foundation of who you are is still there. You are still Jordan. You are so still that's what added. I mean. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. To become a better version. Okay. See the word version. Yeah. Version means, for instance, like when, when our phones update or our, our video games update, right? It's not the same game anymore. It's an altered version. It's still the same. Like Guilty Gear, when it updated from 1.18 to 2.02, .02, yeah. it's still Guilty Gear. But the way the characters are functioning now has an alteration to it. It's no longer the same. Yep. That's what I mean by change in the sense of you're not quite like for me, like in terms of like my false allegation, being in abuse, right? I'm not the same ebb as I was five years ago. There's a, the core of me is still the same, but there's aspects of it that have also become something else because it's what, what comes with change, which I like what you're saying. You have to, I think that's the best way of wording it. You have to merge the old, what you were, 
-hmm. with the new experience and to synthesize the two to become something else. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by like the death of self, because I, I can't stay the same after this traumatic experience. It's right. Like these are two things. There's no way you can be the same after being like abused, right? Like you're not, you're no longer going to be the same person. You're not going to interact with people the same way. However, you also don't want like the, the experience over here on my right hand. You don't want that to define who you are because that's, that creates, I think we talked about, and I think at least the last episode in terms of shield hero is victimhood, right? I'm just a victim. This bad thing happened. You don't, I don't think most people would want to be that. You want to be able to become something new from that experience. I've learned from the previous experience to become something new. And that's why I'm, that's why I refer to like the death of, of oneself, which is, a, which is hard, right? To merge, to, to synthesize two things. Like we, we both did the same undergrad, if I remember correctly, to synthesize ideas. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to take one thing and take another and put the two together. It's challenging, right? Yep. To, to, yep. and to make it make sense. And so that's the reason why I love that about the show, right? So like to go back on the examples of the lottery, like let's say, I, like I said, I'm 20K, right? That was my salary. I'm, I'm winning a million dollars to kind of go back on that example. Yeah. Real, an actual aspect of me as a person, I'm very frugal. Like I'm quite cheap with money, right? And now I have, and I might be frugal because I'm only having 20K, right? But now I'm a millionaire. How do I merge the aspect of me being frugal with me being a millionaire? What does yeah. that look like? And I don't think we quite deal with those things. We don't merge the two together. It's like, well, I don't have to be frugal anymore. Actually, there's nothing wrong with being frugal. But maybe you don't have to be as frugal. But once again, you have to merge the two ideas of you being frugal on one hand and you being a millionaire and learning how to be frugal as a millionaire. You may not have to be frugal as a 20K earner anymore, but you have to learn how to be frugal as a millionaire. But what does that look like? That's a wholly different conversation to have to, once again, merge the two ideas to become something new. The, once again, quote unquote, the death of oneself. That's that's where yeah. the challenges come along. Just to understand that example very clearly. So what do you mean by they change in terms of from 20K to a millionaire? How, how exactly do they change? In what aspect? Well... Like, for instance, like if you're only having 20K, you can buy a PS5. Okay. Right? That's that's at least, what, $600? Yeah. But now, it's like, hey, I'm a millionaire. I'm about to buy five, I'm about to buy 10 PlayStation 5s just because I can. Okay. You can, right? Okay. You, have, you, have, you, have, you have well over a million dollars. I'm going to just buy 10 PlayStation 5. I'm going to go buy, like, a, a Maserati. I'm going to go buy a, a, a Porsche. I'm going to go on to, to three trips in Dubai in here because I can do that. But now you're not frugal as a millionaire. Now you're being extravagant as a millionaire. That's how you blow the money. That's how you find, like I said, those examples. They become a million dollars. They, they, they win a million dollars. They buy like three houses. They buy four cars. You, I guess my question is, what causes them to, to act like that, to change that behavior? Is it increasing... The, the reason I ask this is because there are plenty of people that mm -hmm. would know what to do with the proper financial literacy and the, and the proper financial discipline. They would know what to do with that money. They wouldn't buy two, three properties and just blow the entire money away. So I guess my, what I'm trying to ask is, is exactly why to the root of the problem, 
Mm -hmm. Why do they go ahead and sort of like put themselves back into the position of where they used to wear? They they used to used to be the 20k. So they go from 20k to a million dollar, but then back to 20k. Why is that the case? I guess is what I'm asking on a fundamental root problem. Because they couldn't accept the new form of what they are. They couldn't okay. accept the new aspect that's uncertain to what they are. The same way as you'd have a struggle to synthesize your traumatic experience into your your current self or your previous current self, if you will, is the same yeah. aspect. I can't I can't merge the two because the, the two can't coexist for me. So would you say it's a self-esteem issue? Absolutely. I would, without thinking too hard on it, I think there's more to it than that, but I would say it's a self-esteem issue. Okay. I would say something something we all struggle with. I agree. This is, this is, it's a good topic. Good first topic. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So like that, that's the main thing I loved about the show. For instance, March. So for instance, March, like that's the first thing I picked up about to your eternity. One aspect is her name is March. March mm -hmm. is the first season of the year of change. It's the first month of spring. Spring is the death of one thing and the rebirth of another. Winter is now coming to an end and plants which were previously dead are now blossoming and growing again. So that's one aspect that I saw of the show just right from the jump. Her name is March. And what is she? What is her greatest aspiration in life is the death of her current self to become th something new, which is adulthood. To she be a mother. mother. Right? I yeah. want to become that. And funny enough, she did get to experience that, but it wasn't exactly, which goes into another aspect I would like to talk about on the show, hopefully in this conversation which is to understand your blessings and the ways that they come in life. She didn't quite get to adulthood, but she got to experience motherhood before passing. By the way, I just also want to say, the show Savage, I know you and the other guy said, don't get attached to characters. I definitely did. I was like, wait, Martin's <laughs> dead? What do you mean? Wait, the one that blew me away, I didn't think Panora would die. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, wait, what? The only I thought the only good one was life. He was smiling when he was dying, and all of a sudden he was just dead. I was like, what? Like, just straight up just gone Google. i didn't expect him to die either i was like y'all gotta just ruin, ruin the love story Wait, like, google died i'm joking i'm joking don't I'm even joking. do that with me. <laughs> bro I, I didn't i didn't see those ones coming the one the ones that shocked me the most would probably be panora and march i was like yo what panora the older sister and march the younger sister i didn't expect those mm -hmm. two to die to be honest with you i thought panora was gonna die at the beginning and then march took the arrows so She's fine, right? She'll be okay. No, she's not. When she started like having her the anime thing, when their eyes are closed and they start tearing up, lying in bed, I was like, oh, yeah. Geez. What one thing that's very interesting about March and her character development, although she never really she did not experience adulthood, I would say that in terms of her maturity, she did. Mm -hmm. In terms of her emotional intelligence, she did. Because what she did in that show, mm -hmm. like there's two. There's two instances in the show mm -hmm. that demonstrates this. The first one was where she accepted sort of like her destiny as, as an offering. Right. Even, I will tell sacrifice you this. For the sacrifice. Community. Yeah. So she understood right. exactly that she was going to die. Right. And she accepted her responsibility. Right. Now, that's very adult. That's, that's a really good point. Very, that's a really good point. She's very adult. And, and to add to your point, I think that's when her figuratively speaking, her transition to adulthood began to happen because yep. it was when they were about to escape from jail with, with Panora and Pianora. I think, oh, I, I think it was Pioran. Pioran. 
Piran. And Piran, the uh, old lady. Yeah, the old lady. Okay. And you remember, because Panora wants to change her her community, her society from worshiping the Oni Oniguma, she was just like, "Here's a doll, so you don't think about me cutting a piece of the Oniguma." Mm-hmm. And you see how March knocked it away, and she said, "No, I'm not going to accept that because that's what worked before. How to make March feel happy is to give her toys." But yep. March is no longer the same, which is an aspect that they liked about the show. As someone who's been to a certain extent, certain extent caregiver, I've been men, I've been a mentor, I've been a guardian. There's many times where I've had to watch those younger than me change. And as an adult, watching that change, at the same time, it's beautiful. But at the same time, it can be very challenging. Like it's scary. Yeah, it is, right? To like my nephews, uh, my mm-hmm. sister's kids. Just like every, like I remember there was a point where like every three to four months, I would go to, not to say there'd be three or, more, three or four months gap between I see them. But every, I see them, I would say two or, I'd see them once every two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. and within the gap of like every three months the things that they want to do enjoy or talk about so like they're now six and five mm-hmm. but like they're a little bit more i guess you could say stable now if you will whatever that means quote-unquote stable is that every three to four months they what they did what they enjoyed and how they expressed themselves linguistically was changing and it was it was challenging for me to keep up because the things that they would want to play initially wasn't the case anymore like once like when they're babies, they just want to like crawl around. I'd pretend to crawl around with them. Then all of a sudden, four months later, they want to play with transformers. Then a few months later, they're asking me like in-depth questions on how does Iron Man's n- nanotechnology work? I thought only, only the Wakandans. No, this is actually one of my nephews. He's like, how does black, how we're does Iron Man nanotechnology? Yeah, like I know you're you're starting to get into the Marvel stuff, but like he's wondering how does Iron Man have nanotechnology? I thought only Wakandans have that. And I'm like, bro, like a year ago, you're only crawling. How did we get here? That's a big change to constantly undergo with that. Like you're laughing, yeah. it's crazy. And so experiencing that and trying to do things that like work with them before it doesn't work though. Those things that you, they did before doesn't work anymore because they've changed, but the war is gone. Mm-hmm. There's a core, as you said, that stays the same, but f- from the fundamental level, but holistically, it's a different person now. Mm-hmm. And now you have to learn to work with the fundamental old once again, and then synthesize it with the new version of themselves. And as children grow, it happens rapidly. I know you met Damien and like, before I wouldn't have been able to brought, bring De- Damien to the barbecue because he would have said something like severely inappropriate. But mm-hmm. he's grown so much over the years that even I haven't realized how much he's grown. And that's just from the years of 15 to, I think he's turning 20 this year. It's, it's huge for me to see how much he's grown as a young man. And so that's something that I've had to struggle with. Even like some of like the youth I've I've supported and seeing them working now, I feel like sometimes I have to tell them, don't do this, do that. But they've already figured that out. Because once again, what they were and what they are now is not necessarily the same. They've undergone the death of oneself, a change where the core is the same, but mm-hmm. their experience of getting work training and having co-workers and being employed, they're no longer the same, I guess you could say, immature, irresponsible youth that they once were. And I've experienced it myself growing up being a half African, half Caribbean, where my parents thought I would do something. And I'm no, like, for instance, Vic, I know you didn't wash the dishes. Actually, yeah, I washed the dishes this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. You've experienced that too, where your mom is expecting you to do one thing. Is why would I do that? I don't do those things anymore. But it's hard for them to 
accept a new change or even just understanding how to interact with you as an adult. Like for our parents, they always see us as, a, as their kids, which it can be challenging as, as, a, as, as, as a child, as offspring, if you will, for a parent to constantly see you as a child. But the thing is, it may be also hard for them to accept the change that's happening with you. Have someone look, look after someone that's much mm -hmm. younger than you and you will understand how it can be challenging for your parents to un understand how you're changing as, a, as an adult. I don't think I can get the full experience of, of what my parents been through, but to a lesser degree, I can say with my little brother, seeing his change was a bit, it was a bit reassuring, but then also at the same time, scary. Okay. Only because the reason it was scary is because here you have a little brother who was always following you around, right. was asking you, so you're guiding him to a right. point where he doesn't need you anymore. Right. So you sort of felt. You sort of felt empty, right? Because you're so reliant. You're so reliant on that. Reliant on being relied upon. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And even as a man, sometimes we, even as a man, sometimes we want to be relied on. Sometimes. Naturally so. Yeah, Naturally so. Right. We need it. Yeah. We, we like to feel needed sometimes and to know that we can do something towards that. Right. Right. So that was taken away from me. Actually, it wasn't taken away from me. Like someone stole it, but it's sort of like, morphed into a different relationship that mm -hmm. that we have so i have to find a way to change my relationship with my little brother and of course any change is scary because you don't know exactly what that can be you don't know what's like on that's the reason why i refer to death by the way just wanted to kind of insert that part because yeah. we when it comes to change we don't know what's like on the other side yeah that's the reason why death is scary, right? Like that's, if we, I personally feel like if we knew what was exactly on the other side, like yeah. we pray to hope to know what's on the other side. But if we, if we knew, like, if I open this door right now, or open these blinds and know exactly what's outside, we wouldn't have the same fear of death. But because we don't know. But yes, go on. Yeah. And then the second part is reassuring. The reason it's reassuring is because even though I don't really know what's mm -hmm. going to happen between our relationship. Right. I can see sort of the building blocks of the sort of person he's going to be. And it wasn't someone who was going to be bad per se. Like he, mm -hmm. he was turning into a man, a very responsible person. Right. And I liked what I was seeing. Despite the fact not really being relied upon again, mm -hmm. I was also happy because he was becoming a man. He right. was becoming this very funny person, charismatic. I right. love him to death. And now right. he's his own person. Right. And then all I can do is just support him. And if he ever needs me, he knows a hundred percent I'm always there for him. Right. So that's what that so that's so that's what I mean by that's what I mean by reassurance. And I'm very happy to see his growth. How can I relate this to your eternity? One of the things that made me fall in love with March mm -hmm. was when she took that arrow, like you mentioned. Right. The reason why I fell in love with that is because not only did she not hesitate, but it showed a high level of bravery, courage, and strength to even be able to do that, right? She was told by the old lady, I forget, what was her name again? Pioran. Pioran. So she was told by her, go way over there. It's too dangerous. So she understood exactly the environment she was in, but she said, you know what? No. My family needs me. My community needs me. These people need me. And I'm going to try to protect them, even though I know I can't really do anything as strong as 
what they can do, but I'm going to do something. So she sort of, sort of assumed that responsibility, but at, but then at the same time, she was courage and bold into taking that arrow. So that was very courageous of her to do that. And this is why I say, although physically speaking, she was not an adult, mm -hmm. mentally she was. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That's a really good point. I, mm -hmm. I've, I've met many people who are 30, 40 years old, and they cannot assume responsibility like that. Well, it's hard, right? It's very hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's not easy, which is why that's why I, I commend her so much. I, really I would, I would say accepting your mistakes is is a form of it's a heavy form of change, right? Because you have to take once again who you are, take the mistake that you made or played a part in, whatever, and to merge the two together to learn from that mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the thing with mistakes, it's first is the, the self-awareness. You have to first notice that the mistake is there. Right. And then follow that. Then you have to decide whether or not you're going to do something about it. And this is where it's the hardest part, right? Because sometimes people don't want to do the work. People don't want to put in time. People don't want to take that time to even reflect on it. And all of this is not going to be solved overnight which is why it's very hard to, it's very hard to do such a thing, which is why a lot of people, even though they acknowledge, no, they're self-aware of the problem. They try to find fault in sort of how they can deny that they, that they are aware of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with you on that denial. Yeah. So they're denied. So they're denial of their, of their problems and because it's easy, right? It's easy to do that. I can just say, well, I know something is wrong with me, but let me just deny this because I don't want to, I don't want to do the work. I don't want to be held. I don't want to be responsible for this because I know there's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to heal from this. And that's a lot of work, right? That's why I love the persona, the persona series, the video game series, because it, one of the main things is that they force you to take a look at yourself to rip off your mask or to put glasses on to see the truth about you yourself in society and that's heavy right and that's what makes the character stronger is because they decide to take those heavy look at the, those heavy look at themselves in persona 5 they rip off their mask of who they pretend to be that society tells them to be and in persona 4 they put on glasses to be able to see through the the false narratives and the false pretense that they see in society yep yeah, I love the series it's, for that. <laughs> that's scary. Imagine having a glasses where you get to see all the ugliness of the world. Right? I, I, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to see that. I'm pretty sure. That's scary. But then you also see the good in others too, right? You can also see fundamentally how good someone is too. Okay, that's interesting. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, the world is not so ugly. I mean, they say it all the time in Attack on Titan, right? The world is a savage and vicious place, but it's also beautiful at the same time. The world is a contradiction. I love to, I love to say contradiction. Evil That's a beautiful reference to code. Yes. One of my favorite quotes from the series, I took two quotes from, from the whole series that I watched season one, because I don't think season two is going to be coming out. I think until this year or something like that. Yeah. It was most animals. This is from, I forgot his name. The, the the being that created a Fushi. Can't remember his name for the life of me. They didn't they call him was it wasn't it black? Something black. No, there's actually a specific name that he actually hold on, let me just 
Okay. See, hopefully my computer can handle, I can find it. See if because I can the find knockers it. were the uh, enemies, right? Yes. There we go. The beholder. Beholder. The beholder. So yeah, the, this quote is from the beholder. Most animals cannot choose their environments. Therefore, in order to adapt, they need to change themselves. For humans, especially, such changes are preceded by emotions. I wanted to ask you before I can I speak on that. I want to know if you had any thoughts on that. Like, you know what? I'll give my examples and maybe jog your mind. So I thought back on my first big job here moving to Toronto when I came here. And I thought of quite a few examples, but one of my biggest jobs in coming into Toronto that I worked for three years, I think that's the longest I've stayed anywhere. To be honest with you, I've never stayed anywhere more than a year and a half. The reason I left, and this is doing community work, was one of my bigger jobs doing community work. One of the reasons I left is because, and I, I really want to emphasize this word, I felt like I was being underappreciated. Okay. I felt undervalued. And so that's the reason I left. But the change really came when I refused to go back because they, they asked me to come back, I think. So this is the job I, I was I was holding when I got false accused. And like my position changed because of that from the community center I was working into more of an admin role. And I also kind of want to get out doing like community work for a little bit. I was, a little, I was suffering from a little bit of burnout, which is a common thing when you do like community work. I But I also refused to go back. They asked me to come back. Like I think, you no, know, that's, that's cap. I think they asked me to come back five to 10 times. And I refused every time. I even got emails. Only now they stopped emailing me because my employee number is like gone now because I just refused to go back. And the reason I refused to go back is because I felt underappreciated until I left. Mm -hmm. And the reason they are asking me back, because I think like within the first month, one of the youth that I work with, he got into an altercation with one of the staff and, and pushed her. So assaulting assaulting a, a staff member the youth if i remember correctly they were also like seeing because there was a playstation 4 at the community center they stole the playstation 4 they were seeing the remotes they were seeing the video games what the youth actually said solomon he was the one who said the reason that they were stealing stuff is because like i was the main person i was respected yeah and they, so, they did not accept the the authority over there you were sort of like the authority they respected which is also a problematic thing in its own way because like I shouldn't be the only thing, but that goes into wanting to be the most important person, the most valuable person, which yeah. is for me, like if you really want to, this is a side, this is a side conversation that maybe we'll talk about in a different episode, probably more along the lines of Naruto in the future, but real legacy and real change comes when you're not needed to continue the change. When what you build lasts after you and doesn't need you, that's when you've actually implemented real change. When it needs you to sustain the, the change or to to sustain the, the system or whatever it is, that means it's not properly implemented. A great example I was talking to Deb about, it was, I, I don't know if you remember the story from like a few years ago, but there was like a Russian billionaire that, that was like killed and he was involved with like a, a like he was a billionaire and like one of his companies after he died because like he didn't really create a, a new successor for it it was started to flounder like not that long after he passed away so as much as he built something great he didn't build something to last you can build something great but what's really great is things that last the test of time that's when you really implemented 
real change or, or, or something that's very self-sustaining. But yeah, so because I wasn't there and I didn't really build something to last, like that's also on me, it floundered once I was gone and that's when they were starting to ask for me back. But I refused to go back. And it's not because I was spiteful of my previous employer or anything, but similar to, and I wanted to tie it to him, to Gugu, when his brother Shin came back to him after suffering from his gambling and alcohol addiction, it's not that he hated Shin as much as he had like his own resentment. I had my own resentment towards where I was working before, but it's also an appreciation of what you have now. So yeah. by then, when they were asking me to come back, I already moved on to another job. And it was a much more stable job. It was a more stable income. There was actually people I had to work with that actually like worked and actually did things. And I wasn't like the sole MVP player all the time. And because of that, and also being able to provide a little bit more for like Deb and I, I stayed there and I refused to go back because of that. And even like one of my mentors asked me, did you want, do you want to go back to where you work or at least take up some shifts there? Maybe work a little bit part time. And I had to ask myself, the only reason that the only thing that made it enjoyable was the youth I was working with, but the entire work environment, I didn't enjoy it. But sometimes we don't want to accept those things. We just want to go back to what we were, right? We go back to that X because of the, we remember certain sentiments and certain feelings. We go back to that previous job because we remember certain sentiments, certain feelings, but you've changed since you've worked there. And now you're no longer the same. You can't go, but like, where I'm currently working right now, if I went back to any of these two previous jobs, I wouldn't be able to because who I am now is no longer the same, right? The fundamental core of me, which is a very caring person, yes, is still there. But me as the person who accepted, I guess you could say those work conditions before, is not going to be the case now. And then my second job, I left because I felt, I couldn't quite find the word for it because I really wanted to comp comp talk about the, the word the the word feelings emotions right because that's what leads to change when you're really fed up of feeling a certain way you're 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 feeling aggravated you're feeling exhausted right that's what leads to change for that one I couldn't quite find the word but I felt underpaid and overworked for what I was being asked to do okay I think I, think I find I find as I'm articulating that now because it's very interesting. Sometimes when we speak out loud, uh, when we speak out loud, we can figure out how we how we really feel and mm -hmm. hear our thoughts. I felt I don't know what the quite word is once again, but I felt like I couldn't be trusted for the work I was doing. Interesting. I yeah. guess so. You're putting in way more work than you're receiving back. Exactly. Well, what I'm being paid for, yes. Yeah. And then I didn't feel like I was trusted. Oh, because they because you believed that because I'm not being paid for my for the work that I'm doing, you don't trust my capabilities. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, I can't quite find the word for it, but basically, like, granted, my manager started doing this with all the other staff once I left, which was have me having to write out reports on what yeah, I did yeah. every week. I'd have to write out everything, every little thing I did and all the programs and how I ran it and how I planned and so on and so forth until I left. And so um, even there, they, they asked me if, because they were, they were already having issues with me. Like they wanted to fire me. I wanted to leave. So we're both under the same understanding of desires for both parties. 
but it was only when I was leaving that one of the higher ups asked me if I'm moving on to quote unquote bigger and better things. Like asked me if I'm moving on to bigger and be- better things. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, why are you asking? Why would you care? I'm leaving. Are you not happy? I'm out. People are funny. You don't have to you don't have to go through the whole process of firing me because it takes process to fire someone. I'm out. We're both winning. Why would you care? But anyways, that's that's why I left those previous jobs. It's because of those are the emotions I was experiencing. That's very interesting. So when when I look at this quote here, when it says therefore something in order to adapt, you need to change yourself, right? I'm always reminded of this one quote by people often use, especially in politics. Mm-hmm. like survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have that saying wrong. They don't really understand what that means. And it doesn't mean exactly whoever's the most powerful or whoever's the most, no, whoever's the most strongest will survive and the weakest will die. That's not what that quote means. It just means exactly what this quote here is saying. Like whoever's able to adapt will survive. That's exactly what it means, right? So this is very interesting. But another thing is I don't remember... I forgot where where I read this, but I remember reading something that said, you "No, know, people change for like four reasons, and people change when, mm-hmm. like, after trauma." I think I think okay. it goes like people change when they hurt enough, they have to. So that's sort of like trauma, mm-hmm. and then when they see enough, they inspire to. Mm-hmm. I guess that's inspiration, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they feel inspired to, and then when they learn enough, they want to. So that's mm-hmm. the knowledge. That's the mm-hmm. one I can really connect with the most right there. And then the last one is when they receive enough that they're, they're able to. So this is like the professional help, support, training, sure. and all you want to think of. So even acquiring resources, winning a million dollars, right? So people will change mm-hmm. what you just said from mm-hmm. 20 to a million dollars. People will definitely change. Mm-hmm. But in my personal experience, I remember when basketball was my life, right? right? When basketball was my life, ignorance was bliss, I tell you, it was completely mm-hmm. bliss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was not worried about any political affairs. I was not worried about psychology. I was not worried about chemistry, physics. I could care less about those things because I was extremely happy just with basketball. I wouldn't say I, w- I was extremely happy not knowing because I didn't know what I did not know right? or what I knew at the time. right? So I Unknown unknowns. Exactly. So I was unable to speak on that. But, but when I was exposed to Code Geass, I had a feeling to learn about all those things that I did not care about before. I realized that I needed to improve my traditional skill sets, like communication, negotiation, stress tolerance, entering even intrapersonal skills, because I wanted... What's intrapersonal skills? Break that down for us. So inter, in, intrapersonal skill is much more on yourself, like inward. Interpersonal okay. skills is much more like like relationship with other people, like how relationship building. Yeah, right. relationship building. So, anyways, because I wanted to live a more fulfilled life, right? right? But that's after I was exposed to Code Geass because they showed me things about psychology. They showed me about things about even therapy. Remember Karen's mother, how she was on refrain, right? And it's oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, do you remember that part? So vaguely, yes. So he kind of spoke about therapy in a sense. And then I realized when I was exposed to that show that I wanted to change my life because I think the third change is acquiring knowledge, right? You change when you learn enough that you want to after acquiring knowledge, right? 
So I wanted to change after that because I just knew what I did not know. Right. So the friends I had with from basketball, the friends I had from basketball, I had to stop talking to them. Right. And the reason being is because I wanted to get myself out of that environment because right. I did not feel like I was growing. And right. because it was an environment where I was just so used to. I know exactly the next day, I knew exactly what we we're going to do, what we we're going to talk about. We're either either going to speak about female or we're going to speak mm -hmm. about women, I mean, or we're going to talk about basketball, what we saw. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's no growth. Surface level. Yeah, it was extremely surface level. And there was no growth elsewhere. Like We're not right. going to speak about things that truly affected us on a political level and things that we need to talk about. We weren't right. going to speak about that. Right. Right. So I told myself I had to go outgrow that outgrow that environment. And looking back at it, I don't regret it one bit. I lost many friends along the way, but I don't regret it one bit because I'm happy who I am today. That's powerful, man. Yeah. And I think that really speaks on what I want to talk about in terms of what I wanted to bring up in terms of Fushi for both of us is that so what are the so what you were saying in I like what you said initially, talking about how every day was the same. Yeah, and it yeah. makes me think of, and yeah, this makes me think of two different things. So one is, so I don't know if you remember, but there was a point where Fushi was in Gugu's village for a very long time. I think they were staying there for like about four years. And as much as like the beholder had like some points when it came to this, he was saying, you need to leave because you won't grow if you stay. Mm-hmm. You won't stay in terms of this very sedentary lifestyle. And I really thought that was interesting because it makes me think of you in terms of what you're saying, that you knew every day it was going to be the same thing, in which is the beholder, the, the beholder, the creator of Fushi felt that that's a waste of time, right? To truly grow, to be nomadic, to constantly go from, I guess you say group to group, city to city, to constantly, how would I look at Constant, not constantly undergo change, but actively pursue change, whatever that would look like. Yeah, and it makes me think of, and I, which I actually disagree on the beholder on that. For me, as much as a nomadic lifestyle, a constantly moving from one place to another lifestyle, which is what nomadic is, I don't necessarily think that that's the only form of change. I think also change also comes with fine tuning yourself. And I actually want to speak on that for me. We're both like athletes in different forms. I'm not a real physical athlete like yourself, but uh, I do esports, right? Guilty Gear, compete in fighting games. Mm -hmm. And I was watching a video by this guy, Sajem. He was saying how to see how much you've grown as a player. In other words, change as a player. And we don't realize how much we've changed over time. And sometimes when we're doing something every day, it allows us to fine tune those skills which is a form of change, but it's just that it's very, to use your words, it's very much on a micro level. Yep. So for instance, as much as every day was the same, I'd also argue that your basketball skills were being fine-tuned every day. Every day, one step at a time. Like if I were to compare you when you were in grade nine to when you were in grade 11, the way that you played basketball, yes, in terms of physicality, it changed, but it means in terms of skill level and knowledge of the game it's two different levels. Like if I put you in terms of your size with your grade nine level basketball skills versus your grade 12, even right now, where you're in your twenties, your basketball skills, yes, you're not actively like on the team or anything or on the league, but your skills and knowledge of the game is on a, is on a whole different level. Yeah. Uh, I I've, I've seen, I, 
I've played fighting games enough to know how to, to be able to like gauge my own level of change and growth as a player. But I know if I were to watch, I, I know right now, if I were to go on my YouTube channel and watch my old tournament play, I would be disgusted with myself right now. I'd be like, bro, <laughs> you did that? In that situation, do you even know how to play this game? Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you yeah. run up like that? Why would you go for a grab? Why, would, why did you press kick instead of punch? Like, what are you doing? Do you Did you play this game before, bro? That's exactly how I would look at myself versus how I play now. It's a whole different tier, right? Because I just we all just started in the game. Even in terms of my tournament placement. So in the first online tournament I did, I think I got like 27th out of like 10,000 people. Okay. One could say that's pretty good. But then the second one I did, I got like... Ninth out of a thousand. No, I got eleventh out of a thousand. Then I got tenth out of a, out of a thousand. Then I got seventh, and then I got ninth out of like all well over people that are registered for the tournament, like over a thousand players. And you are though, a like, gamer, gamer, huh? Yeah, I'm out here. You're out here. Yeah, I'm actually out here. I always saw how much I was improving just from watching and just from like going to tournaments. But the first tournament when I got like twenty six or whatever. I haven't done a per- tournament in a while. I just started playing this new version of Guilty Gear that came out like a month ago. So I didn't know what I, we didn't. None of us were new. None of the people in the tournament, obviously, some better than others. That naturally happens, right? None of us really know what we're doing. But if I were to compare myself now, I'm leagues above how I used to play. But it required me to constantly do the same thing over and over in a very sedentary fashion. If I was nomadic and I was just literally going from game genre to game genre to game genre, one could argue I would be overall a better gamer. But in terms of a competitor in Guilty Gear in this case, it wouldn't be as fine-tuned. You, Mm -hmm. Jordan, could have gone from one sport to one sport to one sport. I think I would argue it would make you overall a better athlete, but it wouldn't have necessarily meant you're a really good basketball player. Because to really excel at basketball, you've had to really fine-tune those particular basketball skills to be able to pivot, to be able to lay up, to be able to actually make a three-pointer, right? To be able to have the the right court vision, to make sure to have the best decision-making when it comes to court movement, when it comes to passing the ball, when it comes to being a team player that requires very particular skill set that wouldn't necessarily, for instance, translate into boxing. You don't need to be a team player when it comes to boxing. It's a one-on-one sport. No, yeah, you're right. I remember when I took up chess. I think I was in oh, high school. Oh, you never told me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I took up chess. The reason I took up chess is because I wanted to really be able to think deeply of what I'm saying. Right. And be able to express that um, like effectively. Right. So up until now, I think I played about over 20,000 games of chess. Wow. So that's a lot of chess. I think I've spent over more than two days on that app oh you're playing on the app okay like a, like a total and i've actually you done play each other mm-hmm. <laughs> and then oh he's good at chess yeah he's about that chess life like you guys that's the reason i was trying to get him to watch code yes I'm, this is literally your show like he teaches chess to youth oh did he tell you did, did did he tell you did he tell you his ratings no i don't know about that but i okay. think you guys would probably enjoy a good chess game maybe we might do a live stream like, wow high level <laughs> anime chess we yeah, even do the glasses and stuff. Go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I was saying was, so I agree exactly what you're saying in taking up another sport because, no, even though people make the argument that chess is not really a sport, 
Mm -hmm. Other people are saying that it is right because mm -hmm. it involves mm -hmm. a lot of, of a lot of your mental. But mm -hmm. when I was playing chess, despite the fact that I played over twenty thousand games, and despite the fact I even played in tournaments. Oh, okay. Right, I did tournaments, and I think I was on like seventy percent. Yeah, I think my winning percentage is like seventy percent or something wow. like that. I've only yeah. lost once. But then again, I only played like not more than ten games, probably ten. I lost one. So that's about 90%. But even so, even so, my chess skills is just not to par with my ball skills. Because I just spent way more time playing basketball than I did playing chess. There you go. It's well, very much like... Uh, that's a very good point that you said. Yeah, because as much as the Beholder was right that Fushi was losing his ability to transform and effectively use his transformations really well, which you saw in his fight versus the knocker, the stone knocker, but his ability to express himself and to plan for in that fight and to work in tandem with Kugu has significantly improved. Yeah, and you yeah. saw how is it? And even during his downtimes with Pioran, right? He really developed his ability to write, to to listen, to speak, to understand, to have a sense of self and a, and a, a sense of existential self. It significantly improved during those calm times. So calm times are not necessarily a bad thing because I feel like with shows like this and conversations like this, there's always this need to constantly be on this sort of proverbial, this non-existent hustle to constantly undergo change and to constantly revamp things. But that may not be the change you need. And it may be something that just requires incremental fine-tuning skills. The same way, like I said, Fushi was working on his linguistic and linguistic thinking, his linguistic mm -hmm written and critical thinking skills like that's what and and because i mean he had to critically think to develop a sense of self it only came from constant from being in these downtimes and really because you remember he even said i really want to work on my and my speaking skills i really want to learn how to write he said that in the show and then that's what caused pr and others to really help him fine tune those skills but when he comes with those calm times in those four years when he was in the village yes he lost certain skills but he also gained others that were very fine too. Now she was able to carry on into Jabandan Island, the island of criminals. Yep. If he didn't have those skills, he wouldn't have been able to help Pioran, right? Yep. And this is why learning how to speak and think mm -hmm. and then communicating that effectively is such a superpower. And I think it, I, I think that's a lost art of today because many people whenever especially around people my age whenever you try to communicate with them i'm not going to say any names but whenever mm -hmm. i try to communicate with a certain person it's very hard to get my idea across is because what they tend to do is they grab a certain word mm -hmm. and then they take that word and then they sort of conclude, run with it yeah they run with it and they conclude oh so this is what you're saying but then they miss out on they miss on everything else subject. i was saying exactly so it's very hard. It's very hard, but which is why I know myself that I'm still not perfect in where I want to be mm -hmm. in trying to command the English language. I know that I still have work to do, which is why I want to write more. I want to read more and write more and then be able to speak to people effectively because if you're able to speak effectively and communicate effectively, then you're really, you're really powerful. Like you have a superpower. That's a superpower. It's true a lot and slightly off topic, but not a lot of people realize that the era we live in, like we, if we go to like people, I don't know, like a hundred years ago, 
70 years ago, like we have superpowers. Like, what? You're downtown. I'm in East End Scarborough, like in, in nearly Markham area. Like 70 years ago, how am I getting to you? It's gonna take like two hours. But now we're able to use like StreamYard to record this conversation in real time using this thing called the internet. And I was able to message you without having to <laughs> connect on your landline, hoping that your mom or my or or, or Deb is on the phone at the same time for me to call you. What were you saying? You guys are just constantly communicating through these wireless electronic <laughs> what do you say that's insane that's a very good point that you bring up because a lot of these ideas that come into ex ex existence is because of communication is because of words mm -hmm. like can you imagine trying to build something with a team but then mm -hmm. you cannot speak effectively yeah i mean where you, you're not you're not you're just gonna go so feelings, far right right just just going back on the, on the quote from the beholder feelings we, we, we have we undergo certain emotions to incite change and that really and the 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 feelings and emotions are come from adversity or some form of challenge right when you experience that challenge that's when you're just you have to you have to become something new you have to synthesize what this challenge and how to overcome it with what you are, right, to become something yeah. you need to overcome that challenge. Like life is full of challenges, full of adversity. That's when Fushi like underwent the most change throughout the series is always through some form of adversity. And to kind of, I, I, I don't think I've ever really talked about the reason I started Black Nerd Talks is because of the adversity experience from being falsely accused. And the work I did in that community was taken away from me. So the reason I started Black Nerd Talks is because I wanted something that belonged to me. I want something that uh, I that no one could take from me that belonged to me no matter what. But in order for me to develop those things, I had to really fine tune my interviewing and podcast skills. So there was a great adversity. There was a, a sort of nomadic challenge to it, yeah. right? Where a change came to me and I had to go somewhere else to find a new form of myself. But in order to really, for lack of a better, instill that change, right? I had to adopt very sedentary changes. So there was a nomadic change, which is starting Black Nerd Talks and not knowing what I'm doing and just figuring it out. And then there's yeah. sedentary changes from me knowing how I want the the podcast and YouTube to go and to really fine tune what that looks like, how I'm going to do episodes, who I'm going to interview, how I'm going to interview people, how I'm going to conduct conversations, how I'm going to actively listen, how am I going to make thumbnails? How am I going to post on social media? How I'm going to share it with others? How I'm going to market to others? All those little, little things. And I feel like maybe that, I feel like that's the same thing you went through in terms of your negative experiences in basketball, going through feeling betrayed and then fine tuning where you are today. There was a nomadic sort of big change. And then those smaller changes that you really fine tune over the years to get you to where you are today, where you're making apps, you're, you're getting into tech, you're working now there's a lot of things that you're doing now that you weren't quite doing when you're in the midst of basketball right yep and oh my gosh let's get into this one mm -hmm. let's get into it okay so you know me let me let me just start with the theory first so there's this one book that i've come across it's still heavy to read mm -hmm. but i'm gonna get through it so it's uh, this one mm -hmm. so it's what is this one book that's called a note from underground by Dostoevsky, this Russian writer. Oh, Dostoevsky, yeah. So he's very, very popular, right? So he argues that suffering is necessary, right? Because it leads to- Say that again, self-righteousness is not right, what? Oh no, so he argued, can you hear me clearly? Yeah, it's, you didn't enunciate it really clear, so that's why. 
Okay, so he argues that suffering is necessary because it leads to consciousness, right? Suffering is necessary. Mm -hmm. Go on. Right, which, of course, ultimately leads to change. Right. right. So in order to grow as a person and live, mm. we need to suffer because life itself is nothing but suffering, right? Mm. It's a matter of perspective. Right. I remember. I remember the time I evolved, or at least I was reminded that I evolved. Undergoing change. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I was in a car with four of my friends, right? Right. This is at a time where it was a couple of years, a couple of years after we finished high school. And then I just got my diploma at the time. Right. right? So I got my diploma, my high school diploma around the age of between 19 and 20. So right. you were supposed to really get it like by the age of 18, by the time you're 18. Right. Right. So I got it like around 19, 20. And that's right. because when I dropped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's because I dropped out of high school a few times because I didn't want to be in the high school, right? the high school I went to. Right. So I was sort of forced to be to put there. So I had to find some friends to mm -hmm. try to make my experience less terrible, not right. you know, manageable. We can None of us are being arrested for those that heard that. <laughs> What'd you say? You can't hear the police sirens? I can hear it, yeah. But I'm yeah, so I'm, I'm so know. immune to it. I'm very immune to it. Because I hear it all the time because I live downtown. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, go um, on. Mm -hmm. yeah, so my point was after a few years, I met up with these with these, with these three guys from high school. Right. And we're sort of catching up. Mm -hmm. And and then I was just in the car. I was very quiet. Remember, in high school, I was very outgoing. I had basketball. I had everything you could possibly think of. I had the fame. Like I had everything. Everything right. you could possibly think of. But then because of this change and I watched Code Geass, I started to read more. I started to, I wanted to understand the world more because I still feel like I don't understand. And I still don't understand the world. But I'm still reading, trying to improve myself. I became much more quiet and more towards my, like more in my thoughts. Right. Right. So... Here I am, I'm chilling with these people and I'm just looking out the window and these guys are having a conversation. And then this one guy comes out and says, Jordan, how you been? I'm good. I've been fine. Thank you for asking. And I said, how you've been? So he noticed, he noticed how chill I was. Mm. And then he said, why are you so quiet? Mm. I said, because I'm listening to you guys speak. You guys are speaking. Mm. I'm just listening. And then I remember the turn. The turn I didn't understand then, but when I got home, it all made sense to me. There's a switch in attitude. He was, Who do you think you are now? My mouth he said quiet. that he said that he's, Who do you think oh. you are now? Did you even finish high school? Because they don't they don't know anything about my life. I'm, I'm not right, I'm not updated with these people, right? Right, so they said, You probably didn't even finish high school. What are you doing with your life? Are you right. even productive? Are you even up to something? And you know what's so funny? I was just quiet. He just kept talking. Everyone else was quiet because where did this come from? Where did this bitterness, this anger come from? Right. right when he was speaking. And I was just listening. I'm just, wow, that's interesting. Is this how he felt about me all this time? And this is what I'm thinking, right? Right. I mean, is this how he felt about me? That's so cool. And in my mind, I'm just, I find, I found it so amusing, but I'm quiet. So when you're quiet, people think that like you're giving into the bully, but I'm not like, I, I was finding this so amusing. I'm hmm, this is so interesting. Right. And then what happened, what happened was I said, okay, you know what? 
I told him, I got to go. I can clearly see something is wrong here. I don't right. know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to see you guys <laughs> later. I'm going to go home. I'm going to probably make something to eat. I'll catch up with you guys later. I went home and I reflected on, on exactly what he was saying. And exactly what he taught me was everything he was saying, it was seriously a reflection of himself. Everything. I've come to find out that he didn't even do higher education. A friend told me. So he just has the high school diploma. Mm -hmm. He lost a lot of money. He, he's been having problems with a significant other. So it, it was all making sense to me. Right. But before someone even told me all of that, I knew usually mm -hmm. when people speak like that with such conviction and hatred, right. it's often nine out of 10, it's, it, it's a reflection of how they feel towards themselves. Right. And I truly believe that. And then I remember I got home. I'm wow, I changed. This How's is home? nice. Also, why you would have gotten upset with if someone spoke to you like that in the Absolutely. Battle? Absolutely. I would have been so defensive. I would have tried to match their energy, fight fire mm. with fire. I would have been like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? I would have tried to attack back, but I was just quiet. I just started to really understand. So it's like, usually when people speak the most, that's when they mess up along the way. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's cool. And then afterwards, and this is how I know I changed. He messaged me like mm -hmm. a month later. And he sends me this huge paragraph. And this is not the type of person to do this. He sends me this huge paragraph. I'm sorry I did this. I said this. I did that. This is not me. I hope you're good. I'm going through some tough time. And I'm just like, wow. You see? Everything comes to life, right? Facts, facts. Wow. But that's when I realized I changed, though. That's when I realized because I would be so defensive and I would be extremely emotional mm. when I was attacked like that. So why didn't you get, why didn't you, for lack of a better word, why didn't you wake up and choose violence? What kept you from, from going that route? The reason, okay. So the reason being is because when he was, when he was speaking like that, I, I, whenever I speak, my mind runs so fast. So it's like hard for me to pick words, like certain things I want to say, right? right? But I know what I have to do because I'm thinking so fast. Like I have so many scenarios just planned out in my head. Right. So when he was speaking like this, I'd said to myself, okay, if I was to respond to him, what the hell am I gaining? I'm so absolutely you're gaining thinking ahead in terms of outcomes, right? Exactly. I said, okay, I can scream at this guy. I can match his hand. I can scream back. What the hell is that proven? Because I know I'm not going to see these guys in probably the next year or in two years again. Right. What am I trying to prove here? Facts. What, that I have an amazing life? Who are you? for? Why should I prove to you right. that I have an amazing life now? Right. You see what I'm trying to say? Yep. Like, why should I prove to anyone that I have an amazing life now? Yep. I'm not going to prove to you. Because if anything, if I have to prove something to you, then personally, I would see that as a self-esteem issue. On my yeah. side. So that's exactly why I didn't try to, to match fire with fire because I told myself, I don't have to prove anything to you. And plus, if I was to speak from an emotional standpoint, then there's a sort of like lack of um, emotional intelligence right there. Mm, lack of self-control. Also self-control. Yeah, that's tied with that. There's a lack of self-control and that really people words can control me. Think about that for a second. If someone can get you agitated, I mean, their words, people's words can control you. Mm. And the last thing, the last thing I want to feel is controlled. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Words control you. I I can't have words control me. What does that mean? Could you break that down? Okay. So someone who's extremely, someone with, who has manipulators, narcissists, these people understand that words are powerful, mm-hmm. right? If they can understand what ticks you, what gets you mad, mm-hmm. one of the things they can do is they can purposely get you mad in order to get what they want. Exactly. So I'll give you a good example. I was watching this one interview with Andrew Tate and this one beautiful, this one beautiful woman. He did a podcast. It it was the, is it the date one or is it the one? It it was the date one. Okay. It was the date one. And this is a perfect example for any listener listening right now. Right. So in the, in the monologue, when he's speaking to the camera on sort of like his outtake on the, on the date, one of the things he says is this. He's I am purposely being arrogant. He says this. He's mm. purposely doing this to get a reaction out of her. Because mm. if I can do that, then I know she won't be able to think rationally. Because if you're high in emotion, if you're too emotional, it's very hard for you to come back down and try to, to reason with that emotion, mm. right? Because now you're just thinking emotion senses. Mm. You're reacting. You're not processing. You're not critically thinking. Right. Exactly. So that's one good example right there. And throughout the entire time, entire, he was just reacting. Even though she was saying sense, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Like you can say something that's extremely logical, but mm. if you're reacting with too much emotion, right. what you're saying is gonna, it's not going to look credible anymore. Right. So that's exactly what she was doing, right? She was reacting she was reactive to his arrogance and he was purposely doing that so that's what i mean by control with control with words and that's just one example on a day-to-day basis it happens all the time you just have to try to recognize that like literally sit down with yourself think to yourself why is this triggering me what they say what they're saying think about that critically and then try and then try to find ways how certain words i'm not saying i'm not saying just be emotionless have no emotion but try right. to understand exactly why certain things bug you. Self-awareness, stepping away from your emotions, not being your thoughts, but actually yeah, being yeah. able to look at your thoughts. Yeah, and I would say the most powerful individual is someone who can understand that and process those emotions, right? right. I'm right. not saying just understand that and don't understand the emotion and just be heartless. No, I'm saying understand exactly what ticks you, mm. process that emotion because that's the most important part. Right. Like whether, whether that's sadness, whether you process information by being sad, listen to sad music or whatever the case may be, process right. that emotion and right. then find a way to deal with that. Right. Okay. I think that's a great way. That makes me think of Gugu. Okay. To be honest with you, because he became his thoughts. At least when he was, I think he's 11 at the beginning of the show. And I think by the time he passed away, he's like 14, 15. I yeah. think he's, yeah, 14, 15, I'd argue. Because no, he's probably... No, probably 16, 17. I think he's older than the girl. And Reen, the girl, turned 16 the day that he died. So yeah, he's probably, I'd say 16, 17. And so when he liked her, he got his face mashed up in Ting from saving her from the log. He saw himself as a, mo- he's, he thought he was a monster. Mm-hmm. And so he decided to refer him to himself as such. He became his thoughts. He's like this 
resentful, disgusting monster with how everyone is treating him. So therefore, he's a monster. Therefore, he's undeserving to be happy, which led to him self-sabotaging his relationship with Reen until she's, hey, you're the one who's been protecting me all this time, which he didn't quite want to admit because he felt undeserving of her. He was too grotesque. He was too ugly. While, yes, his face is damaged, but that's not the only thing that defines who you are, but he let those thoughts determine who he is. Processing that one, eh? Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you speak. I'm letting you finish. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if you want to say anything on that, but I, I really love that about, about Gugu in a sense of he let his adversities determine who he is, but it was only later after building a relationship with Fushi and seeing how Fushi used his struggles to constantly redefine himself trans literally transforming literally changing into other people that he was able to really realize the strength of that and even learning to how would i word it use life's shortcomings to his own advantage so for instance part of his stomach was replaced with alcohol so he was kind of funny enough alcohol dependent but he turned that into the ability to spit fire which saved fushi later on and uh, that's that, that yeah. anime logic right there. Right. It was ridiculous, but it's a, it's a great analogy, but it's ridiculous. Like, what do you mean you're shooting fire? That makes no sense. How do you not yourself catch on fire? But I thought that was a great example because it makes me think of myself. One of, once again, we're not being arrested, everybody. This is police background sounds. Go by. Maybe I might leave that one out. Maybe we'll keep it. We'll see. This is, this is a give and take you get for living downtown. Right. Right. But you get access to everything. Yeah. Right. I'm literally at the center. So it's like two minute walk from the Eaton Center. Oh he, yeah, that's a central hub for, for that's, that's, police work. So yeah, that's, so that's the center hub for everything. I have like fifty one division up there and, and I think there's another division near the around I think it's close to Spadina and then you have another one on part close to Parliament. Okay. Wow. Okay. So it's You're near everything. Here, but uh, yeah, he let those things define who he is, and so he, I eventually learned, like I said, to make use of fire through the alcohol in his stomach, right? Like spitting fire, and eventually you use that into def- like putting that incorporating into his mask with uh, his uh, father figure, booze man, the, the yeah. alcohol <laughs> man. And uh, makes me think of myself in terms of my own experiences because I've had I had school, I had scoliosis in my back. I don't know if your scoliosis is, but it's a, it's a curvature in your spine. Mine was 90 degrees, so my spine was a leak like an S. My spine was literally an S. Like mm-hmm. your spine is supposed to be straight, it was crooked like an S. And so it like gave me certain deformations in my body. A lot of it corrected after I had my back surgery, but when I had my back surgery, because I have metal rods in my back, so you could say I'm a sort of like spinal wolverine with his adamantium in his bones and stuff. Mm-hmm. It means I can't bend in certain ways. And even to add to that, I also was diagnosed with a learning disability. So it makes it challenging for me to go through the school system. But in both those circumstances, in terms of my back surgery, it allowed me, like during the time I was down, so I guess you could say to go back to the nomadic, great adversity change and the set sedentary, small incremental changes. The big one, learning how to walk and move and do everything all over again. Because when you have a major surgery, your body is like literally set to an infant. You have to undergo constant change to get back to where you were. Your body will forget the ability. You can, all the things that we have, you lose it very quickly. How to like go to washing yourself, how to eat for yourself, how to pick up spoons, how to walk, how to get out of bed, how to roll. Yeah, because your softness is closely aligned to your spine. So I have a question to ask you. So did you have to 
literally learn how to be. I couldn't I'm turn. Not... I couldn't turn in bed. Okay. Did you I... learn? Did you have to learn how to swallow again? I couldn't eat food for the first. I think three to seven days. I couldn't eat food. So did you have one of those inserted tube? Yep. Interesting. If I I tried, I remember one time I tried eating a slice of bread. I just vomited up immediately. Okay. I had to. I in order for me to be turned, my mom and the nurse would have to come and use like this little cloth thing under me to roll me over to turn. If, if you don't mind me asking, so mm -hmm. how was your mentality during this process compared to how you are now? I hated it. Okay. So what? So what was it about it? What? What was about what? About the entire process. I know you were, you weren't able to eat properly, but I'm talking about sort of like your mentality around this. So what sort of mentality did you have? I hated it. I hated what I was, what I was going through, my circumstances. Why did I have to be born with scoliosis? Mm -hmm. Why did I have to get such a bad form of scoliosis that needed back surgery? Why can't I? It's nice to be able to turn yourself in bed or to roll. It's nice to be able to walk. It's nice to be able to go to the washroom yourself. I had a catheter. Catheter is a little tube that they, they put inside your dick. Horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that shit hurts, by the way. Why, why did they put that? I could my my bladder wasn't functioning. Like my body is an infant. I'm trying to read. I, I can only. There's only so many ways I can I can say. This. Your body reset when you have a major surgery. Even one of my youth, like she had like a, a foot surgery. Your body and, and these things resets to being an infant. You have to learn everything again. Granted, mm -hmm. you can obviously talk and read, depending and have critical thinking skills, depending if you're on severe anesthesia or whatever. But like. You have to relearn everything again. I remember I couldn't walk. My dad had to literally push me to get me out of bed to roll. First, I had to get to the rolling, and then I had to learn to turn. Then I had to learn to sit up, and then I had to learn to stand up, and then I had to learn to move my feet to walk, and then I had to learn to use my the, 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 the metal pipes where they have all your medicine and your food and whatnot going into the tube. I had to use that to support myself to walk. And then I had to learn to walk without that. Think about all those steps. No, that's crazy. I remember my that's... first three steps, I was exhausted. Three steps. Exhausted. I had yeah. to go back and lie down. I went to sleep. So would you say that uh, because you went through that, you have a stronger mentality? So this goes into one of my conversations with my youth. Maybe she'll be listening to this. I told my youth the same thing my dad told me, which is right now you're at a, for, for I can't remember my dad's exact words, but like you're in a sedentary point in your life. You, you can't do much, right? Yeah. So this is a time in your life where you get to, where you should use this time. You should properly use this time. To figure out where what you want in life and where you want to be because you won't get many opportunities like this in life to really sit down and reflect make use of this time yeah and yep. that's when i really started getting into reading i agree and so you start you start to have a family and kids no this is no no and... my bachelor's was when i was 16 i was younger than you so in fact funny enough that's when i actually it's, it's funny how we're saying this and maybe this is how how we connect i stopped playing basketball really yeah well, actually, I really pushed for basketball. I got pretty good at it after my back surgery because I really fine-tuned my basketball skills. But I started getting out of those things. I started getting less into sports and 
so on and so forth, and started getting more invested in terms of things I just wanted to be. Instead of living my life for what other people wanted me to be, which is to be this super pseudo hyper masculine sports black cool black guy, I decided to just be myself, which is what people would define as a nerd. But I just do the things I enjoy, which is watching anime, playing video games. Because before I was told mostly by my mom and my sister that like women wouldn't want to be with a, a man that's into comic books and video games and anime. Funny enough, my Instagram model wife watches anime with me, but and plays. Play but I was told that. <laughs> Let them know. Let yeah, them absolutely. Know. But like, even if I never had that, still wouldn't define me and still wouldn't stop me from doing what I enjoy. But it, you don't have to change who you are and your hobbies to suit others, unless it hobs harms people. Like, if your hobby is gambling, then stop, stop gambling so much, right? Like, I'm not trying to no. encourage people to do things like that, but hobbies add to who you are and they, and they are facilitating helping you be who you are as you as you interact with the rest of the world and so yeah i decided to just be more of myself from those experiences and fine-tune myself even more i spent a lot of time reflecting developing my critical thinking skills and determining what i want to do in life which has helped me get to this point if i didn't go through those experiences i would have gone through that and I actually want to tie that into one of the, once again the big theme in in, in to your eternity is they really, the, the, the concept of change is in your face throughout the show, whether it's implicit or explicit. And so I don't know if you noticed, but Google's mask is like lizards. I don't know if you knew that. Reptiles. I don't know if yeah, you picked yeah. up on that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, a, is it a, what is it, a chameleon or something like that? Maybe. I'm not going with lizard names. I, I ain't a, a zoologist. I think that's what they're called, people who study animals. I think they're called zoologists, maybe. Can't remember. But one of the things was him being his him wearing a lizard mask, and the thing with lizards is that they shed their skin. With mm -hmm. us mammals, like we physically just get bigger. Some days we lose skin over time, over the years, bit by bit. Our hair changes, and like I have like a bit of gray hair in my hair. We go undergo those small changes, but lizards they go through like sudden reptiles and uncold blooded animals. They go through sudden, massive, I guess you quote unquote once again nomadic changes. So they shed their skin. And I decided to look into that and in terms of why reptiles, snakes, lizards, snakes and lizards and the like shed their skin is for two reasons. So one is because they physically outgrow, outgrew their skin. So in other words, where they are now no longer is suitable for the skin they're currently running. So you have to remove it. So sometimes that could be us and relating it to ourselves, right? Yeah, that could we also be shed us. skin. Sorry? Because we also shed skin. So that's also really interesting. Exactly. So sometimes like we outgrow, we outgrow our living situation, like how I moved. I couldn't go back to, I couldn't go back to where I used to work. I couldn't go back to where I used to live, which was in the basement. I couldn't go back because I've outgrown that. And if I were to go back, it's me, it's me moving backwards, in a, so, to, so to speak. Sometimes taking one step back to take two steps forward is necessary, but I think you get what I mean by that. And then the other reason why rep cold-blooded animals reptiles should their skin is is to remove and i really want to emphasize is harmful parasites and i want to emphasize harmful parasites because similar to google google letting go of his old relationship i would say his old relationship with his brother shin is that sometimes we have harmful habits harmful hobbies like i said gambling harmful people in our lives that we have to let go of in order to shed that skin because those people may may 
either holding us back or they don't want us to change. Because if you change, you, you've, I'm sure you've heard those stories of people become very successful. They lose some of their friends because their friends can't accept that who they who they knew their friend to be or their family member to be with the new change they've undergone, synthesizing into becoming something new. Oh, you, I'm sure you've heard those. Oh, you change. Oh, you think you're big time now. Oh, oh you think God. you're cool. Oh, you think. Oh my God. Time. That's something I experienced a lot in high school, actually. Oh, you think you're think you're big time? You think you're cool? And it's like, no, I'm just not who I was before. It's not to say I'm better. It's just I'm different. I'm still me to me, but that may be something that you have a hard time accepting. Once again, kind of a guardian experiencing that with their their the one that they're taking care of, right? And so, yeah, even for me. So going back on my back surgery, when I so to speak shed my skin through my back surgery, right? Mm-hmm. I outgrew, I physically outgrew because like I was, I think, 5'10 before my back surgery. But because my spine was crooked and now it's aligned and straight, I'm six foot now. So I actually physically outgrew where I was. And then the other point is the friends I used to talk to, because similar to your circumstances, mm-hmm. they would just talk about the same things. There was no, I guess you could say productive conversations. And the people I connect with are people who do think or are doing things in life. I, I couldn't talk with them. They weren't, they, there was no value in the conversations. I remember one, the, the, the defining point why I decided to stop talking to them was when I was talking to them about like ancestry. And so some of them were Guyanese. Mm-hmm. Most, all of them are pretty much Caribbean. Most of my friends are Caribbean still now too. Some Caribbean, some Asian, so on and so forth. But I remember they fully were, this is before the Black Panther movie. So it's definitely not cool to be African. This is like 2005. That's when I had my back surgery. And I remember them denying. And by the way, none of those friends came to visit me when I had my back surgery. Those quote-unquote friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, therefore, I was I was in the hospital for like about <clears throat> three to four days, and I was out of school for about like two months. No one came to visit me from those quote-unquote friends. And uh, I remember they just denied being of African descent. They're like, we're not African. We're Guyanese, whatever. I'm, well, where do you think Guyanese people came from? or Jamaican people came from, it came from the transatlantic slave trade from Africa. No, no, we're not African. And I was, and at that point, hold on a second, I was starting to read Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela and so on and so forth. So I was really like expanding my knowledge and just reading other books in general. And then after hearing them say that without any like logical reason as to how they're not of original African descent, I was like, you guys are just saying that because you can't accept like, historical facts how can i interact with you and it didn't yeah. bother to entertain those conversations but that was the point where i just really stopped interacting with them till this day yeah no you, i mean first of all you said a lot right but it's one thing i want to touch on is two things so first of all is google's concept of change mm-hmm. i think aside i think that aside from march character mm-hmm. um, in terms of character development i think that google had the best in the show absolutely agreed only because i i I think that i think that he was the most relatable character right because we all have insecurities that we have to deal with circumstances we have to deal with in our life exactly and one of the ways that we want to overcome that is just our to have a capacity to to connect with other people right so that's what we want like that's how we normally want to sort of like get heal from our insecurities. So for example, Google was able to connect with Fushi. And then he realized through his connection and 
and relationship with Fuji that, you know what, this, inse this insecurity does not define me. Mm -hmm. I'm much more than just that. Well, I, I can go into determine who I am. Mm -hmm. I can go into this whole talk about Google, but then the second thing that you mentioned that was very interesting was the uh, it was change itself. So mm -hmm. when you so when you spoke about when you spoke about when you spoke about change, one of the things that I was reminded of is usually inside the African community, whenever you hear your relative or your parents say, "Wow, you change," it's always a negative connotation. But then it's not supposed to be because that's what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to change. My right. wife actually experienced that a lot. She Since did, she right? Her, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's Congolese. Exactly. So for she's people who may not know, I'm also Congolese. So we often hear this from, from our parents. What they say is that whenever you don't act, I don't know. I don't know what this means, but whenever you don't act like how you're supposed to act, they according, to exactly yeah. according to their eyes, they're going to say to you, "Wow, you changed." Yeah. So the fact that I became more reclusive and more to myself, and I keep my more thoughts reserved. to myself, more reserved. Exactly. I had my parents tell me that you changed, mm -hmm. and when they say that, it's often a negative thing. Mm. But what they don't understand is that. The change that I'm going through is necessary for my well-being right. because I, I have a goal of where I want to be. Mm -hmm. So I know that I need to go through some changes, mm -hmm. right? So you have to outgrow those skins. And that's a lot of people. Whenever, whenever people tell me, well, you change, I just simply say you're supposed to. That's great. That's a great reply. I just ask people how, but that's, that, I like that one. I might, I might, start, I might steal if you didn't trademark it. <laughs> That's all I say. I mean, yeah, you're supposed to, right? Mm -hmm. And I've had many, I've had many examples of this sort of unfolding. I'm not going to get too much into it. Another point I wanted to talk about, because you said a lot of things. You said a lot of things. Another point I want to talk about is sort of how you dealt with your injury. And I don't want to take anything away from you, but I sort of want to relate it to mm -hmm. myself because in the last podcast... <laughs> I spoke about how I have psoriasis. Right. I spoke about how psoriasis. And again, for people who may not know, it's this autoimmune disease where your immune system will attack your skin cell. Right. And then resulting in sort of like a flaky lesion, like just a little, a little mark. It's not too, it's not too big. Right. But I remember during COVID, it got really bad because when you're not exercising, you're not eating well, like it can, it can become bigger. Mm, interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Right. Because one of the flare ups, some of the flare ups is if you're eating junk food, if you're not exercising, you're not sleeping well. And during COVID, I was not meeting all three of those things because it was something new, right? We didn't know how to behave during COVID. Right. Like our environment was very new to us, especially to me. Right. So what happened was, I had like a huge mark of psoriasis across my body mm -hmm. to the point where like now it's healed. But if you were to look at my stomach, mm -hmm. it took a different form. It looked like it's a vitiligo now. It looks like a white patch now. Okay. It's very interesting, but it was during this moment, during COVID, especially with this, where I sort of felt insecure about it. Right. 
because my skin looked uneven, but then I, I accepted it. I'm just, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? Like I've had this my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to deal with it. It is what it is. Right. But this is also the moment where I realized who my friends were because in 2020, when I was sick, mm-hmm. right, I spoke to a friend of mine. And of course, we all assumed that it was COVID. Mm-hmm. Right. And then because when I, because I was healing, I didn't, of course, I'm not going to go on my phone and try to talk to my friends because I'm healing. I'm just resting. Right. Right. This one particular friend who I thought she was my best friend. Right. Did not message me at all. Mm, okay. At all. But what's interesting is her best friend mm-hmm. and her other best friend always checked up on me. Mm. Always. How are you? Are you fine? How are you holding up? Right. How you, exactly. And that said a lot, right? Right. Your best friend can do that, but not you who are, who, who is my best friend. And that says something about a relationship. Right. And ever since then, I made sure never to hit up this person again. Never. Mm-hmm. Because it's through, it's through your darkest moment when you realize who, who's, who's your real friend. Adversity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's through, it's through the adversity. It's through the hardship is when you realize who your friend, who your friends are. So right. I had to go through that moment, through that period of my life where I had to realize who, who my friends were. Right. My other friends didn't know I was sick, so I'm not going to hold that against them. They, they right. didn't know. But that particular friend knew I was sick. So it's very interesting what you're saying. Of course, the situation is not the same. I, well, I, say, I can't even see how it's different, to be honest with you. Except like you being a child and having to learn to walk again. Very much the same. Adversity is adversity to me. But I do want to ask you one thing. Mm-hmm. When you were going through that, mm-hmm. and of course, you're realizing that you're healing. Mm-hmm. How would you say your mentality changed? What was that defining moment where you're, this is not going to own me? This is not, I'm not going to let this thing own me. Like I'm much, I'm bigger than this. I'm thinking. Okay. Say it again. Like why, when did I say this? I'm going to, this, what, this what, is not going to define me. When did you realize that you were bigger than your problems? When you were going through this? Because I'll give you a good example. So, for okay. example, Google. Mm-hmm. Google thought that he was his he was only his in- insecurities. That right. there was nothing else, just his insecurities. But mm-hmm. it wasn't until he met Fushi that he realized that I'm much more than my insecurities. I am Google. I'm not this person with a mask, with a lizard mask. I'm a person. I'm a human being with emotions okay. and feelings. So when did you realize that? You know what? I'm not this person person who has this back problem right i'm ebb right well on a funny note i finally became six foot tall i mean that's a plus right right <laughs> i mean women, so that you- even though i've never used dating apps women always put they want a guy six feet tall right wait wait hold on before you answer wait well, how tall were you before i i was like five ten five nine and a half or so so i grew well over two inches Nice. <laughs> so that gave you that push you needed. No, that, yeah. that started the engine. Yeah. So, like, li- that's why I said living out, I outgrew just like the skin thing. I, li- I became six foot tall. So, yo, that's a big plus. Like, I was told I was going to be taller, and I came out, so I was like, oh, shoot. And then I think I grew even a little bit more than that. I think I'm a little bit over six feet tall. I think I'm, I think, like, I've been measured as, I think, funny enough, actually, like, us men, we can grow up to the age of 25. So, like, at 25, I got my height got measured again. I was like six one or so. 
fun little facts. You might so, so those those of you out there that will I still grow? You might you might just just not a lot. You're not gonna grow like you did from like 13 to 16. That's like our biggest growth spurts. Anyways, so that gave you the confidence in order to persevere. A little bit definitely added to confidence. Me being a little bit taller. But yep. I'm not trying to encourage people to go get like back and knee surgery. I know there's like knee surgeries now to make men taller. Those yeah. relax. Other point was, and I think back to, because the other big thing that was a huge change for me was getting married. It was appreciating the blessings I have of the community I have around me. So I'll, I'll give both examples of both being with Deb in marriage and then the previous one being my my back surgery. So those friends didn't come to visit me, but I had one friend that did. And I'm still friends with him to this day. So we've been friends for probably like 20, uh, over 20 years now. We don't actively talk, but he, I've always, I've always appreciated him for that. He, he came by to visit me. And another thing was it's like my family being there for me. I really appreciate my family because no family is perfect, but my mom feeding me and, and, and you can't bathe yourself. I don't know if you know that, especially when you have a back surgery, if you can barely stand, you can't shower yourself. It took like about two weeks. Yeah. I think about two weeks before I could be able to bathe myself and my dad didn't need to be near the washroom. Cause there's always a fall hazard, right? Cause you're in the, and especially I think, I don't think, no, no, at that time we saw the bathtub, there'd be a concern me falling. Right. And if I fall, it's going back to the hospital. Thank God, like I was safe, but my dad always had to be like ready upstairs. Like someone had to be on the top floor where the shower was in our house in Montreal, just to make sure I didn't fall. And before that, for the first two weeks after I came out of this hospital, my mom would have to take sponges and wash my skin. I can't bathe myself. Mm -hmm. So having a mom that's doing that for me, it's huge, right? Not many, not everybody, like even one of my youth doesn't have that for her mom, right? And the other thing, my dad, he was one who was pushing me in terms of physiotherapy. Like I didn't get, I didn't need a, and I think about it, I didn't need a physiotherapist. When you have those surgeries, you need to go see a physiotherapist. You need to stay at those clinics. I never had that. Yep. My dad was the one who was pushing me to walk, to stand up, to go on walks, to start moving, to move myself. Not in an aggressive way, but in a sense of helping me recover, which is why when he had his brain surgery, right, and he had to learn to move and walk again and be able to carry his nephews, I was the one who gave him the physiotherapy. We didn't have to. Like, the physiotherapist showed me what to do with him, and I did my own research, and I was able to get him back up to par to do things again, the same way he did for me. So just having that with my dad helped me, having that with my parents and then my sister always like doing research because she's a doctor. So she was in med school at the time, her doing research on the things I may need to be able to fully recover. Just having that in terms of my family as support, that's what helped me get through it. Yes, my friends, quote unquote, weren't there for me, but I had important people who were. And through that adversity, I think this like you're talking about your, your best friends, best friends, funny enough. Or check mm -hmm. on you, shows you those people that really care about you. So going into in terms of my marriage, a lot of the people that I, I grew up close to over the years from like high school, university, or college, we have different views. So one thing is that like who I was in Montreal is not who I am in Toronto. The adversity that I underwent in Montreal is different from the ones I under had undergone in, in, in Toronto. The under, ones I under, undergone adversity I've undergone in Montreal are the difference from the ones I've undergone in Toronto. So I'm not, the, who I was in Montreal is not the same as in Toronto. So some of my friends had a hard time accepting that, both in terms of my successes and in terms of my adversities, being falsely accused and being in a physical abusive relationship, which wasn't that far apart in terms of experiences. 
but mm-hmm. I also didn't have as much of a strong support system coming from Montreal to Toronto. Like I could talk to my friends from Montreal, but it's not the same thing as having like physically having friends around you. So that's one. And then two, not realizing how much my wife has changed as a person. She's like, if you met her at 25 versus where she's 20, these are two completely different human beings. Mm-hmm. Like the challenges we went through together when we were first starting to see each other, it's huge compared compared to where we are. And I'm also not the same either in terms of how I interact with her, how I interact with others, how I conduct myself is very different. Right. And so those are just huge changes and for both of us and for the ones I'm close to and the ones I used to be close to prior to getting dating her and us getting married, they couldn't accept, they couldn't realize those changes because one, one could argue they're not physically seeing it, right? And then two, it's hard for them to accept that someone has changed. Yes, this person used to do this like maybe unhealthy thing, but that person is not who they were anymore. And I would argue it's crazy how my wife is as a person. She just like the way she just changed it, it could just be overnight. It's crazy. And I love oh. that about her. She, it'll just be one minute. We'll have the same issue for like a month. And then yeah. like, we don't experience it. It's been very peaceful as a marriage. Like the next, the next day it's what problem? Like, what do you mean? We were just having this. What are you talking about? We're good. I get it. It's crazy. And that's something I love about her that she's constantly evolving and I'm constantly evolving to, I'm constantly changing in terms of who I am. And that's really what love is, right? Like love is not just loving someone where they're at, but also realizing what they're becoming and constantly accepting the change that they're undergoing, right? And to be there for them under under that change. Like when, when Deb and I started da- dating, Deb wasn't an artist. Now she is. It's a different person. Now she shares with me her art before she did it, right? It's too, mm-hmm. She's cha- just on that level. She's changed to be able to create and produce art. It's big. So those are two changes that we we, we definitely underwent. And because of that, there's some relationships I've lost. I've, I've lost. I'm no longer I'm no longer in contact with those people because they couldn't accept how I've been changing, and they only saw me for what I was in the past in terms of my mistakes or who I was or how I used to conduct myself versus what I am now. And they feel that I'm repeating certain mistakes, but it's no, not quite. If you were to accept that things can, people can change, your perspective can change too, because there that change is not really accepted. I'm not in contact with those people because they can't accept who I am now as I'm married and because they don't understand how much marriage is a change in who you are. But unless you experience that, you're never going to understand. But at the same time, as much as I've lost in relationships, similar to I've also gotten new relationships. Yeah. Self being one. You see, I would argue that one of our strong connecting points is the fact that I'm marrying one, figuratively, before people actually think this is the case, I'm marrying one of your sisters right? A Congolese woman, that was a, a strong connecting point for both of us, along with us loving anime and video games, just being like nerds, right? Mm-hmm. Or as I like to say, quote unquote, blurred, so black nerds. And then another aspect, I've also got another relationship, like with Nathaniel and Jamar, because they're, on, they are or are undergoing the same process. They understand what that changes, but unless you've experienced that, you're not going to understand. Just like with my youth, I understand what it's like for her to go through surgery because I've, under, I've undergone it. And Deb, to a small level, has undergone surgery as well. That's yeah. for her to tell one day if she ever wants to. But she also knows what it's like to go through surgery and the experience that it's like. But yeah, and it makes me think of, just to kind of wrap things up, it makes me think of a quote that Google says to Reen after they beat 
him and Fushi beat the knocker while really just Google beating. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you say the call, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. This is going to be very interesting, but I'm going to say something very interesting. Now, I want you, I purposely want you to challenge this, okay? So I think the knockers, their enemies, mm-hmm. is a representation mm-hmm. of of their trauma. If I was to use an analogy, I think that's a representation of their trauma, unhealed trauma that, that he's unable to come to terms with. Why do I say that? Go on. Okay. So one of the things that the knockers do when they try to kill Fushi mm-hmm. is that they don't, they don't, they try to kill his spirit before his physical. Agreed. And, and one of the things they also do is that while they try to kill his spirit, what's one thing they take away from him? Memories. Exactly. His memory, his most precious memory. And they know that's exactly what makes, uh, that's one part that makes us human, right? Our memories, our emotions. Yeah. Our memories, our experiences, they culminate. And, right. and how does he react, Fushi reacts, when his, that, that important emotion is taken away from him? He's forgotten, but he's upset. Forgotten, he's upset. And then what does he do? He goes back to try to chase that. So it's like a never-ending cycle. Right. Until something comes along, he gets the help that he needs. I don't know what it is. Remember, this is just an analogy. I don't know what that thing he needs to try Mm -hmm. to put an end to this. So Mm -hmm. he doesn't have to go through the cycle. Because remember, he's building new experiences. He's being taken away. He's going back to the path to take it back. Mm -hmm. And then he's moving forward again to try to build new experience. And then he's going back. So it's it's like this never-ending cycle, right? So he Mm. he needs that professional help. In terms of the anime, how that mm-hmm. looks, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a weapon they need to try to stop the knockers so that he can heal. I don't know what it is. But it's so interesting how I try to view this enemy, the knocker, right. as sort of like this representation of unhealed trauma. Hmm. That's me. It's hard. I, I actually, for once, I don't have a thought on the knockers. I don't think we know it because we've only seen like two knockers. Yeah, I think it's only two knockers so far in the series for me to actually speak on them. And I don't want to say, I just want to, I don't want to, I don't want to just speak out of my ass and be like, oh yeah, I think the knockers are this. And then did you even think about, you said that that was stupid. So I want to give like an uninformed take on them, but I would say maybe they are. hmm. I think think the knockers is like a shadow, the shadow self. Because you really, in order to truly have that human experience, mm-hmm. we all have a shadow, right? Right. Yeah, and that's Persona we, Five right there. That, yeah, we the, all Persona have Five it. is based on psychology, the shadow self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the shadow self by a concept that that, that was created by uh, Carl Jung. Yeah. So we all have a shadow, but what's Fuji's shadow? We don't know. True. He just has True. experience. He what's evil self? So I, right. I, th- I think, remember, this is just all theory. I'm not saying this is correct. But I'm just saying, I, th- I think that the knocker is perhaps, maybe it's a shadow. Maybe it's not the unhealed trauma. Maybe it's a shadow, right? Maybe maybe it is the shadow which takes form in the uh, the process of the unhealed trauma. I don't know, but 
It's interesting. Very if interesting. I had to give a take on them, I would say they might be they might be akin to the demons in Demon Slayer, with in terms of hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, that would be my initial take. But I would need more time to kind of think on them, but, and we would need to see more knockers. We haven't even seen the knockers talk, right? So it's hard for me to give a take on them. But I would say, if anything, they might be hurt people, hurt people, in the sense of I want a take for me because I don't have. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's my initial thoughts. But I, I, I really love, but to go back on Google, there was a really good quote that he said, which was, the people that keep us alive aren't necessarily good people. He was talking to Rin when he says this. So Rin, in relation to her parents being forced on telling her how to live her life, and Google not having the right support from alcohol boozman when he put the alcohol stomach inside of him and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. He says, the people that keep us alive aren't necessarily good people. Rin's parents and boozman. But we're not so weak, we can't endure it. In other words, we're born to, we're born into certain circumstances, but those circumstances don't have to define us. We can use those circumstances. So one thing, we don't have to become the traumas and the issues that we are experiencing. On one hand, there's also a fundamental core of who we are. We can and we can merge the two to become something else. So as much as like school was such a, a negative experience for me, right? I've also found ways to navigate through school where A, I was able to graduate and B, because of that, I've also been a really good, I've never talked about this, but I'm very good at teaching, at at educating and tutoring youth because I know what it's like to have a learning challenge and how to, or learning discipline and learning how, I like to call them learning challenges and how to navigate around that. Like one of the youth that is having the foot, had the foot surgery I helped her in terms of learning how to read out loud because my mom taught me how to do that because my mom has the same similar experiences as me with a learning challenge. And so I could pick up on the youth that have that and help them in terms of navigating the educational system to work around that, where she's able to read out loud. Her grammatical and syntax skills are significantly improved and her overall academic savviness is significantly improved because I was able to just support her in a few few major points where she was able to fine tune in figure exactly how she needs to go right once again we're not being arrested no one's no one's being brought to hospital or anything and then the other point talking about understanding how people change which were marriages that's the reason why uh, i wanted to talk a little bit about hayase the main villain of the show the one that got assaulted when fushi turned into the oniguma and like hit her and she was like gone crazy and whatnot she was fixated on fushi in terms of him being a vessel but not fushi in terms of him developing as a as a as a living, thinking organism and person. She okay. wanted it. She only saw him in the way he was and only wanted to see him that way. And love is only really love when love can change and grow. Yeah. I don't know if you want to say anything on those points. No, you can continue. I no, still have to put my thoughts. Okay, yeah. So she only, like, similar to, like I said, my friends getting certain friends not understand what it's like to be being married. I would argue that wasn't a very genuine love. Maybe it was at a certain point, but that love changed because i was changing but in order for love to continue to grow like that's i would say that plays a role in terms of divorce or people breaking up it's because people change are you ready to change with that person are you ready to accept how that person is changing right like you may i'm sure you've seen those stories whether it's uh, women or men where they're really they're always taking care of their partner but once the partner becomes self-sufficient the caregiving partner, whether it's the man or the woman or whatever gender it may be, the other person can't deal with their person become their partner becoming self-sufficient because they've only been used to their relationship functioning based off them being the caregiver 
and the other person being dependent on them. And now the yep. person is working and so and some providing for themselves and be able to take care of themselves and they're the person who's taking care of them, they're not used to it. They're not ready for that change. They're only accepting what the way it was originally where one was taking care of the other. Yeah, so I think what I'm going to say is that I think that a lot of kids after a certain age, and I'm going to say very young age, they understand that they live under the authority of their parents, so then they right. have to act a certain way. They have to listen to the rules, even if it's yep. stupid rules. They have to tell you they have to behave a certain way in terms of, you know, what they said that I can't have such food and I can't do this with my friends or I can't have sleepover. So they know they have to endure that if they're going to keep living under the roof of the parents, right? If they're going to continue to live with their parents, they know they have to endure that. But the people that keep us alive aren't necessarily good people. I don't know exactly what he means by that. So I'm not going to speak too much about it. But what I can say is, for example, with my relationship with my parents, I realized when I first had my job at the age of 16, and then I didn't have to rely much on her. Usually what I noticed was there was sort of this negative, I'm, not, I'm going to say negative feeling that I was, I didn't have to depend on her anymore. It sort of took the form of, oh, okay. Yeah, it was very passive, but it was something, oh, okay. So now because you think you have a job, you can do this. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I love that passive aggressive. African parent. Very, very, very passive. Now, whenever you try to do something that sort of reinforces your independence, Mm -hmm. it's seen as a negative thing. So if you go out and you come back home late, but you communicate that, of course, they may say something. Oh, okay. So ever since you had a job, you think you could come home whenever you want to. Mm -hmm. You see, so I don't know what the quote means by necessarily good people. Well, our parents can be flawed. They they they're not when when you see when he says good people, as in they're not perfect. I think it takes a long time for us to realize our parents aren't perfect. They're people. And only really when you start interacting with them as adults, especially some are, 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 I guess you could say, less good than others or further away from, quote unquote, perfect than others. It's only when you learn to interact with them as adults through those relationships kind of change, right? But you have to kind of of get to a point where you're just like, my parents may never be what I want them to be. And I think that's something that you may struggle with throughout childhood where you're like, I'm seeing my friend's parents take them out to family trips or we're having family dinners or they, they celebrate whenever I do good in school or something like that. They celebrate my creative ideas, but my parents, but they're, my parents don't do that. Right. Okay. You know what? I'm going to go to the extreme here. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, I think that. Again, this is this is what I think. I think that there's a lot of parents out there who don't even really love their kids, but they do it out of necessity. They do it because they know that's their responsibility. And the reason I say that is because I've seen too many families. Because when I was younger, when I was when I was a teenager, I used to go to a lot of people's houses and I used to see exactly how these parents used to treat their kids. Right? So I used to see things being justified for the name of in the name of because I love you. 
but then nothing in their action says love. Absolutely nothing. All I'm getting hate is, is hatred. So for example, I, I saw this one experience where the parents used to literally call out every single insecurity. This is this is a person that I've spoken to I've spoke to, right? And I, and I used to listen to their conversation all the time. And and this is every day and it's been going on every, every ever since she was like 12 or 13 years old, she told me. And then the parents would say something about, well, this is why you're fat, you need to stop eating. Well, this is why you're skinny, you need to start eating more. Right. Uh, this is why there's always some insecurity. Some and, and and it was every single day, every single day I was on the phone with her, at least. Right. Oh. So, if you want to say that's love mm-hmm. in the name of love, mm-hmm. so be it, right? I guess I don't know what love is. Maybe I don't. Well, love is hard to define. I can't really. So on one point, I would say not, I would, I would disagree on the word a lot. A lot is a majority. And I think most parents love their kids. Yeah. But the other aspect is how do you quantify love? Love is a very quali- qualitative thing, right? Quantifi- quantifiable has a numerical value qualitative is depending on how you want to see it it's very relative and it's up i won't speak on it in terms of those circumstances but i would argue it is love but once you start getting into the marvel movies specifically avengers infinity war where you see thanos's relationship with gamora his adopted daughter he loves her and i would even yeah he loves her but it was abusive but he genuinely loved her Conversely, my relationship with my abusive ex-girlfriend, she hit me, she punched me, she threw things at me and said very hurtful things. But I have no doubt she loved me. Okay. But hold on. I before you go. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. But going back to on Hayase and her love of, of Fushi, is it a healthy form of love? That's a different conversation altogether. Because you can have your own warped perception of love. It, it all depends on what you grew up in terms of seeing what love is. If you see love as screaming and yelling and hitting each other and being abusive and then making up and having... I don't know if you... Did you listen to Kendrick Lamar's last album? Latest album? Was it... I think I, think, did, I, think I know what you're talking about. Mr. Morale the music video. Steppers. Was it the video where he was arguing with his girlfriend? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Miss Amara and the Big Steppers, the music video, we cried together. I love, I was hoping that was going to be the second music video, by the way, because it's my favorite song on the album. Next to the one where he's talking about his family thinking he being he, he was sexually abused. It was one of my two favorite tracks on the album. Just to kind of share that, I'm a, I'm a big music head too. And they those two people in the, in the, in the song, we cried together. Thanos towards Gamora, my ex-girlfriend towards me. It's love. Mm-hmm. I would argue it's love. However, is it a healthy form of love? That's a wholly different conversation. It all depends on what you perceive as love. I, From my ex-girlfriend, I remember how I verbally, at least, I don't know if it was physical. I, her mom was physically abusive to her dad, and her, her mom was verbally abusive towards her. And mm-hmm. that's, what she, that's what she grew up with in terms of what love is. So that's how she expressed her love. Is it healthy? No. Because... Deborah loves me very much, but it's a healthy form of love for both of us. And that plays around in terms of what Deb grew up seeing as love and learning to replicate that. But if you've only seen it as like aggressive and abusive, that's how you have songs like We Cry Together. I've seen that song, quote unquote, play out. We cry together where they're yelling at each other. 
and some of my fa and some of my extended family where they're just yelling at each other but that's how they understand love so that's my that's my take on it but i don't want I, like i said it's a different conversation that we definitely need to explore more once you start getting into possibly the marvel stuff and the comic book stuff yeah no so first what i'm going to say is that now again it depends on how that quote-unquote love is being expressed so for example the way your parents express love is completely different from how kendrick lamar and his girlfriend in that music video expressed the love like the kendrick lamar and and his girlfriend that was that was very extreme and what i want to say is this when you express love in that way i am telling you right now and i guarantee you because i've seen this society will remind you sooner or later the way that love is being expressed is not healthy even though if that's what you were even though you were taught love was like that sooner or later and very quickly you will be reminded that that's not love and i think that even when you look when when you listen to that music video they know that they have a problem in expressing stop, their, their stop tap dancing around the conversation mm -hmm. yeah so they know that they, the way they're expressing their love is completely unhealthy, but that's what they're used to. Exactly. That's, but they, know, that's why... but they know it's not love, though. It's wrong. They know it's fundamentally. They know it's wrong. They know absolutely. They know it's yeah, wrong. I agree with you on that. Not but, everyone, I would argue not everyone realizes to. that it's wrong, but go on. Which mm -hmm. brings me to my next topic. Is it really love or is it attachment? See what I'm saying? Once again, so that's a different podcast. And the reason, yeah, you're right. But which is why, and it brings me to my other example because if you look at, especially in the Bible, Paul, Paul gives you. I'm not going to say his his version of what love is 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 the absolute correct version of it, but it kind of gives you this surface understanding of what love may be mm -hmm. on like an emotional standpoint. So he says, love is kind, is patient. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't envy. Yeah, it's not, it's not anger. Yep, yep. So we could kind of tell that love is something. At least it's positive. Mm -hmm. We know that at least it should be. Exactly. Yeah. So we know it should. It should be positive at least. So it begs the question now: What they're feeling is it actually love, mm. or is it just an attachment that they're used to? That's fair. Like I said, that's another conversation for us to get into. I won't go into that one. The main one was really just talking about to your ongoing change as a person through to your eternity. So yeah. that's a wholly different conversation. I love how you went into that. So we'll definitely explore that in the future. But yeah, even in terms of that, that once again requires you to go through that adversity of wanting to do change and undergoing like what you want, what you've seen as love growing up. And then on the other hand, what you want to emulate as love and then synthesizing it to learning from what it was negative and what you may have liked because it may have been good things from it like there's some really loving things between my parents that i saw but there's a lot of things i don't want to emulate and what i want is something that i don't even know what that looks like and i'm trying to merge the two so me and deb creating what we want our love to look like and merging it with what we've seen for both our respective parents and then bringing it into something else new but yes i think this has been a great conversation so far i really loved how we had this we touched on a lot of topics about the show i really this is one that you personally recommend along with one of my viewers. So I really wanted to give a, a view a, a chance to watch the show. And mm -hmm. uh, it's been great. I actually saw a clip of it years ago, specifically the Arena Coliseum fight. I didn't know it was the show. It was only when I got to that scene, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I've seen a clip of the show. I didn't know what was mm -hmm. going on. 
So it's been great watching it. I don't know if you have any lasting last words that you want to give about this episode, Jordan. But uh, what I do want to say is, 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 is a point that you touched on the last topic where you said that some people just can't accept your change. Mm -hmm. Right. And honestly, I find it to be a beautiful thing when they can do that. It's, it's such a beautiful thing because it's sort of like a reminder. It, it's, it's a reminder. Wow, I change and I'm changing for the better. And it's a good and, thing. It's not something to be scared of. Yeah, and if they can't accept that, then they're not people that are supposed to be in your life. I've also had relationships that have been pre-existing that since I've gotten married, specifically my best man, our relationship has grown stronger, which is why I see him as a brother to me. And I know he's going to be listening to this episode. And yeah, he's he's been rocking with me with all the changes I've undergone and has been supportive of me in terms of my, my marriage with Deb. So you got to yeah. thank for the, got to be thankful for the ones that are there with you. Yeah. To help you go through it. Exactly, yes. because think about it for a second. I mean, I, I know I know you're gonna end it really quick, but just think about it for a second. It's when they can when when they cannot accept who you are now, for who you are now, it's so easy to just get rid of them now, because you mm -hmm. can clearly see who is for you and who is against you. So your work is really easy now. Mm -hmm. it's true all you have to do is act on it they've already shown their colors when someone shows you the quote is one of my close friends she has a, a quote on instagram it was when someone shows you who they truly are believe it believe it yeah but yeah this has been a great conversation thanks for coming out for this one once again jordan you've been a great co-host and uh, our next episode we're definitely gonna have to talk about when we love just yet we actually have a great conversation coming up you're finally about to watch your academia and uh, naruto and we were going to be talking about what it's Naruto, like. Yeah. yeah, man. And we're going to be talking about what, it, what, are we really born equal? I don't think we are someone who's grown up with learning challenges, growing up, having a harder time in school. And I think it's going to be a great conversation for us to have. So you guys look forward to it. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, yeah. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch the latest news, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Black Nerd Talks. And if you enjoyed our latest episode, consider subscribing to the podcast. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.